and welcome to Mice Cast for the hosts Greg, Mike, and Shaft. And me, yes. Hello. And Greg made it this time, right, Greg? Yes, I'm here. Oh, okay. and Don't get me going about <laughs> Shaft tonight. <laughs> oh yeah, Shaft is in. Shaft is on Greg's Shaft list. Tonight. Yes. Yes, I, I got shafted. I got shafted today, and it didn't feel good. Yeah. All right. Well, with us we have <clears throat> the the two evil geniuses behind the. <laughs> the park hopping party. I got to be careful when I say that. <laughs> Make sure you say that the right way. <laughs> yes, uh, we have Electric Mike. Say hello, Mike. How you doing? And Kilt Boy. Kilt Boy's here. Good. President accounted for. And uh, we're going to uh, we're going to use this this time to get to know Mike and Kilt Boy a little better. You guys are brave, aren't you? Very scary. Oh no. We love you guys. No, we love you never, too, man. Yeah. That's because you're never brave. We're just nuts. That's because I only have to see them once a year, right? <laughs> That's how it works. So uh do you wanna get who wants to give us the rundown? Who wants to go first? Who wants to Tell us what the uh park hopping party is all about. Killed boy, you're on. Oh, thank you. I was just going to throw it to you, Mike. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, it sounds a lot like our show. <laughs> <laughs> no, because once you throw the ball to Greg. Mike, let's tell him about how we decided to uh, begin the Park Hoppin' Party episodes and uh, <clears throat> kind of go from there. That sounds good. Well, we've always been you know, fans of the park. Uh, I'm speaking about Disneyland because that's uh, basically the – the park that we, we both grew up in, yes. uh, spent our childhoods there separately, um, but uh, we became friends about 30 years ago working in radio together, and you know it came up that, oh, I love Disneyland too, and Steve has been going to the park since 1957. I went as a little kid in the 60s, and uh, so we compared notes on that, and we ended up you know going down as friends, and you know, Many just... Times. Enjoy, yeah, enjoying the parks, and we'd take a video camera here and there and, and shoot some crazy stuff, and we never dreamed that we would turn it into a program. And yeah, this was, have, this was, Now, we're talking back like 1995, 96, 97, back in that era. Yeah, and Steve and I— Back, back in the 20th century. Yeah, it's the 20th century. <laughs> yeah. Steve and I have worked in radio for decades— and, <laughs> And uh, one of the things that's, that's always bummed us out is we never got to do a morning show together. Uh, we were always across the dial from each other. And, it, and it's been like, oh, you know, we're the best of friends. We, and we have such fun together. We have our little shtick that we do, you know. And we never got the chance to do that on radio. Yeah, and there, truly is, there truly is an undefined chemistry between us. It, it just works. Yeah, we'll just leave, leave it at that. Um, <laughs> Please. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Um, is it so, catching? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, when this podcast thing started to, uh, you know, become prevalent on uh, iTunes and so forth, uh, it kind of caught my attention. It's like, hey, this is cool. People are doing programs, audio and video about the parks, right. and so it kind of um, captivated Speak. us. Yes, and we uh, and we found out about the Disney Podcast Network, and it seemed like, wow, everybody. That's uh, that's really happening is converging at this one place, and uh, you know there are there are some great shows that are not part of DPN, and we don't want to you know uh, slight them, 
but uh, DPN is is the central hub, I think, of a lot of Disney enthusiasm, and it definitely caught our attention. And so we heard about Westfest, listening to the podcast and watching the things, and and uh, you know you can't miss uh, Brian Summers. Uh, Come to Westfest. <laughs> so that was a good Brian Summers, don't you think? Um, and so we decided, hey, why not go down to Westfest and just see what it's all about? And when we got there. Everybody was so gracious and sure. welcomed us into the group, and uh, we felt like we had always belonged there. and And it's a really great, wonderful group of people, and they all love what we love, which is hanging out at Disney parks and and getting. Okay. Uh... <laughs> His nose is brown already. Yeah, my goodness. Okay, I'm going to go wipe my nose off and. Um, yeah, so anyway, <laughs> uh, Westfest was great. We shot a little video there. You know, Phil Staten was one of the first people that we befriended, and he turned the camera on us in front of the castle there right after the photo meet. And, you know, we did our little shtick, and he goes, you guys are acting like podcasters already. And it's like, well, maybe we should be podcasters. Yeah, that's that kind of sparked it, and off we went. Yeah. Really? So we can, we can thank, thank you, Kate Boy. We can thank Phil See, for you. You can blame I, Staten. Staten on Main Street, all right. Kate, we call him Cape Boy. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, and so when I got back, I thought, how am I going to, you know, put this into some kind of program? And we got our web designer, uh, Aaron Melius, who lives in Cleveland now. We got him in on it, and he helped us put together our website and did a beautiful job. And pretty soon the thing was reality, and the response has, has been wonderful. And I, I have to say, it was really kind of an abstract thing, putting out this program and not knowing if anybody was really reacting to it. But when we got to Westfest the next year, everybody reacted very favorably to what we had done. They were familiar with the episodes and yes, they, truly it, stunned yet flattered. And they, yeah, I, remember no, the, was, I remember the quiz out by the Tower of Terror. That, <laughs> yeah. That I knew nothing. Yeah. I, knew, I knew no answers. That's, I was that's ashamed. Okay. There are some that didn't. They walked away with, with great prizes. That was the purpose of our holding that. So those who knew, knew an, no answers knew more when they left. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Jason in San Diego walked away with a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. That day. Well, what, what kind of things did you ask? I, you know, I missed it because I, you know, I had some family issues with We asked Oscar trivia about the podcast in particular, certain things we did on the podcast. And then we did some trivia about the Tower of Terror. So we kind of, we kind of varied it up a little bit, you know, tying our podcast into it and – the Disney theme park stuff as well. Yeah, who's the movie star that has the House of Pancakes in our commercials? And that that would be Jack Nicholson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you know th <laughs> things like that. Um, you know who was the uh, British uh, celebrity that uh, that Mike played in the um, the Margaret Carey episode to introduce it? And that was uh, that was the which was Robin Leach. Leach. Yes, Robin uh, Leach. So little little questions like that, and they got them, and people walked away with some some great prizes. So I, I gotta say, my eyeballs are still hurting from seeing Kilt Boy in drag when you guys do that uh, northern like uh, Fargo. Don't you know? That's well. I'll tell you something, Greg. Your your eyeballs are going to be totally destroyed after you see our new Halloween time episode that's coming out. Oh gee! Because we went we went to the Mickey's Trick or Treat party as the Kimballs from Duluth. Well, we did. Yeah. <laughs> was, was Steve? Were you a fan of Uncle Milty when you were a kid? Oh, absolutely, sure. <laughs> First guy to dress in drag on TV, right? 
Yeah, he's he's an even uglier woman than Steve is. But hey, you know, you see you see Tyler Perry and some of these people making millions of dollars doing female impersonations on TV characters. It's just acting. It's fun. It's the and it's a fun you know uh, character thing to do for us. It really is. Is that like Ron Paul? Isn't that that that's the guy's name? The female guy, RuPaul. Ron Ru- Paul. Ru- Ru- Paul. Yeah. Well, not quite to that uh, flamboyant uh, extravagancy. It's it's more like you know the typical housewife from Duluth, Minnesota. You know, yeah, I mean, I mean I've seen those shows and it cracks me up. But it, <laughs> I just want to know what extent you're you're willing to go to. Oh, we have I'll, no pride. I'll we'll, we'll get once, twice if I like it. We'll get absolutely as ridiculous as it takes, and uh, and of course. You know the the trick or treat party at DCA was the perfect opportunity to to do that kind of shenanigans. That's putting yourself out there. Let me tell you. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Unless you're dressed like the hitchhiking ghost. Walking around that park and drag all night was uh, was a whole different and unique experience. Let me tell you. (laughs) I'm I'm, probably nobody noticed in that group. Were you in heels? No, no, I wore sensible shoes. Okay. He was in comfortable <laughs> shoes, yes. <laughs> just like just like any Midwestern wife would be. You know? <laughs> oh, that's right. You know, we were at the uh, yeah. we were down at the the wiener uh, no the award wieners there and uh, award wieners. Know, yeah, yes. and she says, uh, "I'm getting a wiener, don't you know?" <laughs> I, I did too. I got a wiener, eh? Oh yeah, yeah. We had a blast, and oh, and, uh, and this and episode. <laughs> go ahead, Steve. And a wiener, I said, and we had a wiener. That's and it was you know. The funny wiener. thing is that you sound like the Olympic announcers for uh, curling. For curling, <laughs> curling, yeah. I, 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 yes. I thought I thought I turned on Fargo. I mean, you, that movie couldn't have captured any better. The oh the, no, the, oh, you betcha dialect, yeah. And, and I've got family from south dakota now they don't speak like that i guess if you gotta go a little further north but yeah um it, it yeah i i, I turned cra- I, I was more entertained by the the announcers than curling and how <laughs> they really got into it like it was a serious sport you know and, and it's for them and it, it is and the ins and outs of you know the angles and the, the speed and i'm like i i couldn't help but laugh i understand that it is harder than it looks though there there really is some finesse to it Nothing as as easy as anything looks, you know. I'm a bowler, and people don't consider that much of a sport. They think it's too easy. Yeah, try to be consistent, you know. Bowling may not be a sport, but it's definitely got some skill required. That's what I, yeah. Muscle memory. It's my world of sports for years. Don't tell me it wasn't a sport. Oh, yeah, me too. I watched it for years with my parents. It it had its own, uh, it had a season. You knew, you know, I started... um, Oh shoot! What bowling alley was number one? Then number two was always Showboat, and then always ended the Firestone Champion there in freaking Ohio somewhere. Yeah, now you're lucky to catch it on uh, ESPN 150. <laughs> the at Ocho. The time they actually announced it's going to be on. <laughs> on the, you yeah, can catch it on hey, the Ocho. I got to tell you, I've been watching those curling championships on ESPN. <laughs> so okay, uh, now, last year at last year's events, you also had a sponsor. Um, I think it was. Depends for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's loose ends. Loose ends. Loose ends. has been a great sponsor of the show. It's uh, it's the adult undergarment uh, that uh, is perfect for Disney park hoppers because you can no longer 
have to stress, you know, leaving the line. Right, you don't have to lose your place in the line. You, you can, can just stand there and relieve yourself in loose ends. Let yourself go with loose now, ends. Is that the same uh, product Super that the absorbent. astronaut used when she traveled across country to get to her, her lover? Yeah, yeah, same manufacturer. I understand that NASA did develop it for loose ends. And uh, in, in the commercial, uh, the, um, the Kimballs from Duluth actually drove 31 straight hours in the car from Minnesota. That's right. Using the yeah. loose ends. And, you know, Never had to stop. Never had a pit stop. And that's and the, that's and why you guys were you were powered by that drink, also, right? Yeah, and and that's why you see uh, across the windshield, she's got all those little uh, little pine tree air fresheners. Little buzz nog in the gas tank, you know. You get all the way from Duluth, oh, to California, no I, problem. I'm holding a can of buzz nog right now. It's uh, it's great. Stuff. Nice. Now, okay, so who? Uh, do you guys? Well, who? Do you guys? Do you guys collaborate on on this, or do you each come up with your own? Uh, Both. Both. Yeah, we um, we have we have regular meetings where we uh, we sit around and we think, okay, um, you know, what can we do to plus this episode, as Walt would say. Every time, every time, I want to tell you this right now. Let's put this on the record. Okay, every here we go. Time, have sat here doing one of these meetings about 20 minutes into the meeting michael said we should have a video camera going and not once have we had a video camera going during one of our meetings that and would make it kind of a reality show thing which i think would be great you know um maybe that's would, a dimension that we can explore you know the the planet but it, well if you follow the uh the idea of plusing is there a weenie for every show <laughs> <laughs> absolutely um there's at least yeah. one at least one weenie and, uh, you know, I think in this new episode that's coming out um, fairly soon, in fact, by the time this airs, it'll probably be uh, posted, the Halloween time episode, um, you know, we have several weenies. We have, you know, the Halloween Screams Fireworks, which was new this year. Fantastic watch, show. Especially there, but we captured a, a nice piece of it for you for the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, Haunted Mansion Holiday, we did a nice ride through in stereo on that and we paid a quick visit to uh, Space Mountain Ghost Galaxy, but it's too dark to videotape in there. So, yeah, we had a good a good monster at the beginning, and and so forth, and and then of course Mickey's trick or treat party and all the shenanigans that we pulled. So there's, hey, there Kimball. are things. Go ahead, Steve. I said, hey, with the Kimballs, don't you know? Yeah, yeah, and uh, party on the Kimballs. We had we had our whole uh, park hop and party posse there. You mean our PHPP? The PHPP. That's right. <laughs> there was uh, there was Blackjack. Blackjack Joe was there with us. Okay. Cape Boy. He was there. Phil Staten. Phil was there, and Andrea Peacock, our our friend from Sacramento. Good old. I, I, oh, Let me take a wild guess. Phil was dressed up as an electrical parade wizard. Yes, of course he was. That is Mister okay. Cape Boy, and he had uh, all his glow on. He had his glow on. He did indeed. Is he going to be uh, crushed yeah. when when? Uh... When the when the electric parade heads to Florida for a couple of years, yeah, uh, we're, we're, sure he'll have something to say about it. We're going to have to man the suicide hotline for that. <laughs> yes, no, no, no. Okay, I I will admit being a little out of touch lately. They've got a better parade now. I think with the uh, I forgot what what Spectral it's called. Magic. Spectral Magic. Yes, it's at DLR, though, not at Disneyland. It's at the Magic Kingdom. Yes. Oh, yeah. what what? The electrical parade from Disneyland is getting shipped to Walt Disney World. Yes, to 
to which park? <sighs> I don't remember. My understanding, if I remember correctly, they're sending spectral magic to Paris, and the electrical parade is going to be moved over to the Magic Kingdom. There you really? Go. I, I have a feeling the people in Florida might be a little disappointed. Why do you say I that? Mean, you, 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 spectral magic is pretty pretty darn good. I've never understood pretty decent, it. And it has a lot of fiber, and yeah, it, I, I do like that a lot. Yeah, and it, it keeps you really regular during the parade. With a lot of roughage, yeah. <laughs> I, I just it would be like, um, well, it's like going from digital to analog. It's like bringing Captain EO back. Oh, did I say oh, that? Wait. Have you have you seen? Well, maybe have this you is the electrical parade not, tribute. Not yet, not yet. I want to see it just to just to relive the memories and um, and realize you know, that yes, it was a bad idea. Well, I was listening to Josh Shipley on uh, the Josh and Kroz show, you know, because they're both Imagineers, and they were talking about the fact that it is the original seventy millimeter film. They didn't, you know, remaster it or anything. It's just, you know, it is what it is, and and with its flaws for the time and. I wish they would add some of the extras back in, like the yeah. the flashlight and things like that, because that was a cool effect. But you know, it's it's good to just go and relive it and enjoy it. Because I I got to tell you, as cheesy as it is, I always walked out of there with a with a very up feeling. You know that that, oh, that, last, that, that last song it gets you going. You know, we are here to change the world, and you know, I can still hear that exit music in my head and the way it echoed through that corridor. And, and it's uh, just another part of me. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I want to, I want to experience that again. It's, it's nostalgic, even though it was, you know, just a few years ago. And I, I do uh, that high note that Michael Jackson does, but I hurt myself doing it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> see, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he We're changed going the world. In. Of, yeah, he changed the world of kind of quite a few little friends of his. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <so. laughs> Now, 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 you know, he's, uh, with the kilt, there's no restriction there, you see. Oh, oh. Yeah. Michael, you We love you, Michael. Um, yeah. Greg was mentioning that it looked like the original 7mm. That was one of your advertisements that it was supposed to be digitally remastered. Well, not only did I say it looked like that, the, the cast member who I don't think has ever had to spiel in his life other than how many in your group? <laughs> number two, number three, he tripped all over himself. He did say it was the 70 millimeter film. I never saw any advertisement or press release that said it was remastered. Yeah. That was the that was the rumors going around that everybody swore it was being remastered. I never saw anything in black and white that said that. Uh, but there were a lot of effects missing: the smoke, uh, the like the flashlight thing, the lasers, the lasers. at the end. Yeah. Oh, and during the little battle scene. But you also got to remember that it's a 70 millimeter print, so it's like nothing for them to make another print off of it. Right. Yeah, so but I'm that's surprised not, that's that they didn't math. go through the trouble to do it. Yeah. Just uh, I, well, okay. Blow uh, the dust off of something and throw it in. Okay. The, nobody keeps just one print laying around because prints break. They're, you know, I, saying it's the original, it's probably. You know, new copies made from the original, but nothing's been remastered. Nothing's been cleaned up. It's just the the way you would have made a new film. You know, if you if you needed a, a spare, you know, for breakage. Exactly. So, but there was so much missing, and then they way overdid the floor effect. I felt like Michael was sit, sitting under the floor, you know, doing his thing. <laughs> that that was, was just, so stupid. 
It was you, you finally saw it then, right, Mike? Yes. Um couple Wasn't weeks the ago. Wasn't effects just not way overdone? And they weren't even in sync to the music all the time. Sometimes they were, sometimes they were not. Um, but it just, it got annoying after a while. I'm like, God, turn this thing off. But, I went yeah, I, I went with people who, who, are, who are not, uh, uh, shall we say, DFs or not as strong, strong Disney fans. You know, they enjoy going to Disneyland, you know, doing stuff, and they're all about checking out Michael Jackson because, you know, they have their memory of it, but you know, certainly not analytical like those of us who are DFs are, you know. Um, no, they, a lot of people wouldn't notice the smoke missing or the lasers no, there. No, they didn't, but yep. they, did notice, they did notice the bouncing floor, and they did notice the bouncing floor was out of time, and it pissed them off. <laughs> I was like, really? Yeah, you're not the only one that thinks that. I was yeah. quite well, surprised. I, I'm well, a, that's for which... City is, Hall is for. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I want to I see that Rolex... Uh, duct tape in between his feet when he comes up on the elevator, you know. <laughs> the roll of duct, the roll of duct tape. When he, when he comes up, up on the on elevator, the elevator yeah. in between his feet is a roll of duct tape. It's one of the one of the funky little continuity things that they missed. One of the many things yeah. they missed on that. When show. you guys did your EO oh no show, I was like talking to the screen, like you know, and I I when I uh, posted. You know, on your forum, it's like, yeah, I was talking back at the screen. Oh, remember this? Remember that? And it's like, oh, wait a minute, they can't. You know, speaking of continuity, because my like looking behind fellow, the TV, see how they yeah, got in there. Yeah. yeah, my fellow co-host made a big deal about a certain scary movie that was poorly made, or they felt one particular director. Uh, did a poor job and only got to do one scene in the whole movie while the producer, busy with another film, sat in and directed the rest of it. I, I don't watched, think it was poorly done. I just said that it's that, obvious. It's pretty well known. Yeah. I watched it in Blu-ray a couple of days ago, nice. and I, uh, I have to say, I I will just say I differ in opinion because though there is some slight lighting difference after the scene cuts to a couple of different angles, I think there's a reason for the lighting difference, but I'll just leave it at that and thinking it didn't stand out like a sore thumb in Blu-ray like you guys were. Um, and it had been a long time since I'd seen Poltergeist, but it, I didn't think it stood out that much as being totally out of sync with the rest of the movie. So. Uh, uh, Mike, Kill Boy, are you, are you familiar with the, with the discussion that Greg's referring to? I don't recall hearing that, no. Okay, no. See, see, Richard and I... Okay, Poltergeist is... Credited to be directed by Tobe Hooper, right? Produced by Steven yeah. Spielberg. Richard and I believe that Steven Spielberg actually directed the whole stinking thing, and Tobe Hooper was well, was given. Or, he was heavy. Okay, as producer and writer, he was heavy-handed on the set. Okay, so, <laughs> and that Tobe Hooper was allowed to actually completely direct without Steven Spielberg around one scene, and and for those who are. Hmm, Fans, I guess, of Spielberg style, you can tell when it switches from Spielberg style to Tobe Hooper style. Yeah, you see the chainsaws come out. And, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you, and you see Leatherface poorly lit. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so that's that's what Greg's referring okay. to. I see. All righty. So, so, yeah, so go watch, you know, Poltergeist and... When you, see, when you see what you're facing, I guess facing. I'll have to watch it with I, you fact, I, encourage, I encourage everybody to watch Poltergeist and let us know what your thoughts are on the forum there. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I think we we three should watch it together and and 
in Blu-ray and you tell me, you know, I, I don't know. I just didn't see it. And I know he was also busy with another film at the time. I just don't see that he, you know, could have been like heavy handed. Right. Yeah, my only you can't, was- you, you can't do two things. You can't even eat chips in bed at the same time. How are you going to watch a movie? And play <laughs> no, no, I, I, I eat chips plenty well when I'm playing poker. The problem was you guys were complaining about how much I was noising up the mic. <laughs> well, there was that. You couldn't concentrate on the subject while you were, you know, making a bet and doing whatever. That that show has to be the show that has got more complaints than any other show. I mean, <laughs> even more than my heavy-handed cursing sometimes. That now that's what you get for chewing and thinking at the same time. That's By the right. way, I played... Oh, you were there, Mike. Yeah, I made 50 bucks the other night playing poker. Yes, mm-hmm. I was there. I'm glad... Times, nickels I'm, and quarters. I'm glad the $12 that I walked away less with was in your pocket, not somebody else's. <laughs> yes, well, thank you. <laughs> Who else could that be? Thanks for your time. Yeah, you're welcome. I was spending the night out in the middle of Joshua Tree National Park watching the shooting stars. Oh, Wait, yeah. did you did you enjoy your time in Joshua Tree? Actually, yes, I did. It was very windy. How, how uh, far out into the wilderness cold. did you go? Uh, quite a bit. We were because we. It seems like you're setting them up for something. I am. Oh, I am. <laughs> I'm setting them up. Uh-oh. Okay, I'm not going to go any further then. No, please do. Mark. Wait, wait, How no. far did you go? No, that's okay. If he's out in the wilderness, the next question should make sense. Did you have to pack out your waist? <laughs> no. That's what they no, I did not because there were restrooms there at the campsite. Then, so okay, so then you were not out in the wilderness. <laughs> I was close enough as because you know in Joshua Tree when you, you, you no. in Joshua Tree when you go out where there's no campsites and stuff they expect you they expect you to not leave your waste. That is true. All That's solid true. waste yeah. needs to come back with you, and I mean all solid That's waste. True. So I was just wondering if you participated in that or not, and apparently you did not. So no, no. In fact, I actually had running plumbing. It wasn't the outhouse. It was. <laughs> Your plumbing was running. I don't want to hear about that. Uh, plumbing, yeah. All right. All right. So, uh, that's way out in the wilderness, baby. Yeah. We We're, talk about important things. Talk on about cats. Talk about out in the weeds. Well. Okay. So. So, uh, so ahead, guys, are we going to see uh, another show similar to the Christmas parade, uh, where you, <laughs> you know, narrate the parade like? any other uh, good Christmas parade or Thanksgiving parade. That was one of my favorite episodes. And I know it's got a lot of comments. I know a lot of, saw a lot of people post on the, uh, I, I remember getting a text from you uh, on my phone that, that said snowballs. That's funny. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, we, we really enjoyed doing that Christmas show and, and we were thinking, you know, who should we get to host the parade? And of course, Regis Philbin hosts every parade under the sun. And then we thought, who can be the uh, the female co-hostess? And it's got to be somebody with a, a Disney connection. And we thought Britney Spears. It's Disney, Disney, <laughs> yeah. And and so Britney Spears was there and and hitting the peppermint schnapps bottle uh, throughout the whole broadcast. And uh-huh. yeah, I I, uh, I really well, enjoyed that. You want to develop more stuff like that, but you have to remember a couple of things. One, it is so time consuming. Just putting the thing together, you know. If, shooting it all and then editing it and and really the success or or, or the failure or success of a, a show can really lie in the editing and that's what can be so darn time consuming but you know to do those kinds of shows it has to be it has to be inspirational it has to be something that goes yes this would fit for this idea mm-hmm. because we were trying to figure out if we were going to film the Disney Christmas Parade what could we do that 
you know, a podcaster wouldn't, you wouldn't expect a podcaster to do. Well, how could we do it in our own style, in a, in a creative manner that gives us an outlet in which to be goofy, <laughs> which we are, personally, people, you know, we love to laugh, we love to laugh at ourselves, we just like to have a good time. And so, it, yeah. when we do these podcasts, I'm sorry, Mike, when we do these podcasts, oh, uh, we're just reflecting who we are having a good time. This yeah. is the way we like to enjoy ourselves. Now, of course, the characters takes it a, a step further from us having a good time at the park. It's now putting it into a more of a, an entertainment uh, umbrella where, yes, it's, it's Electric Mike and Kilt Boy, but over here you've got, uh, you know, uh, Toasty Cheeks and uh, Sugar Lips and, uh, you know, Britney Spears and Regis Philbin. And so it's just an extension of, of what creative outlets we have we are able to uh, employ in the theme of the podcast. Yeah, and and uh, the musical features are something that people really seem to like, and I love doing them. Uh, Mike all has a background in music. Um, uh, you uh, studied in San Francisco classical music, I know, for yeah, a while. Yeah, I, I was at the San Francisco Conservatory hanging out there for a while. and, and I'm a, a recording studio in Hollywood for a while. What was your instrument? Yeah. So, so, like, you, you write and uh, record all your own stuff, right? So most of mm-hmm. it's original? Yes, I, I, have, I, I have a recording studio, and I've got a, a, you know, a classical background, so I'm a symphonic composer, uh, which, is, which is a real treat for me to be able to, uh, to do that kind of stuff, you know, do the, uh, the Buddy Baker kind of sound. Or, the lush or, intro, like we have on PHP. Mm-hmm. And, and to create those kinds of things. And, you know, I've got my jingle singers that we do jingles for, and, and I bring them in, and, and uh, we have a blast doing these things. And I love writing the songs, and we do little music videos like the Christmas episode. Uh, and I put Greg in at the end, you know, come on, guys, enough is enough, which is yeah. pure Greg. And I wrote that in even before we ever recorded. Oh, we got to put Greg at the end going, you know, it's, it's beautiful, but come on, enough is enough. And I have to interject here sometimes. It's fun because, you know, Michael obviously cannot possibly share with me everything that's going through his head is what he's doing. So all of a sudden, he's got these little pieces like Greg saying, hey, guys, enough is enough, shot. And, you know, two or three months later, all of a sudden, the pieces all start coming together. And I go, that's what he did that for. Oh, yeah. It's all, it's all uh, you know, in the, in the shooting script. But we have, for the Halloween episode coming up, uh, we did a version of uh, This is Halloween, the Danny Elfman thing yeah, yep. for Christmas. And so I wrote, I wrote a special song called Halloween Time at the DLR that's uh, kind of a homage to that song. You mean, you mean homage? Homage? That's <laughs> what you say that? Wait, I yeah, say that. Homage, yes, homage. because it's a French word, yes, homage, yes. It's a homage. Yeah, homage. Oh, okay. <laughs> a tribute, it, right? <laughs> an homage. Yeah. Wait, you know, so I, so you have to have Christopher Walken sitting there. That's a French word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and that that song is really really fun, and uh, we got a lot of people to clad around and and do stuff. And uh, for the West Fest episode, um, Killboy and I are actually going to do a rap. Yes, nice. we are. We're going to rap a song. We're going to be rappers. We're going to be. We're going to be the honky rappers. Yeah, yeah, we're we're about as white as they come. So it's. In fact, I have Staten at the end saying, 
<laughs> you guys are so white, and you know that's going to be the. <laughs> Wait, the clip you're not going to you're not going to bust out any weird owl white and nerdy, right? No. <laughs> well, you never know. Yeah, Wait and it, see what happens. You never know. Yeah. So, uh, oh, gonna... vanilla ice and. You've seen. You yeah. never know what. No, it's Weird Al's White and Nerdy. It's a, I think it's kind of like a crazy rap song. Yeah. Where he, he, he <laughs> the video is really funny. You know, it shows Weird Al like yeah, a, like a nerdy, geeky guy, right? And he talks about all the the urban hip hop stuff he likes to do, but they won't let him do it because he's too white and nerdy. Yeah, that's that's us. Uh huh. There you uh, go. We fit that profile. Yeah. So that one's called um, F and F at the DLR. <laughs> That would be fun and frivolity gotcha. at the Disneyland Resort. <laughs> and, and last year, inside the Tower of Terror, when we had those two elevators full of people, um, we had them say F and F at the DLR. And uh, so we're, we're going to put those people, and we had them when we were on top of, um, uh, what was Jason and Sarah's? The Golden Zephyr, that's right. Uh, when we were all on top of the Golden Zephyr, we had them say it again. So we'll have those people all chiming in during the song, doing the F and F at the DLR. So, Not along with the beat. Yeah, just a little glimpse of uh, something that's coming up. But, uh, you know, we look forward to doing those musical things because they're great. And another thing that people respond to like crazy is the outtakes. Oh, and yeah. I don't know how that started, but, you know, we just we just kind of have fun and do our shtick and... Well, I think it started from us just watching all the stuff we shot and say that was pretty funny, but we really can't use it. Yeah, where do you put it? So we put the outtakes at the end. Put the outtakes, yeah. It just and that's where the uh, the Walt's Midget Kingdom thing started. He he was trying to say Walt's Magic Kingdom, and it came out as Midget Kingdom. (laughs) Well, it was like three o'clock in the morning and tape two hundred and sixty-two, and and then just get punchy. Liana went nuts over that. Liana says, "Well, I'm the queen of Walt's Midget Kingdom." Yeah, yeah, because yeah, she's small or short anyway. So, so then it became a running gag, and and we'll have Walt's Midget King, you know, showing up in different episodes here and there. So, yeah. all, or, all sorts of fun. All right, so but, uh, I, I want to go back to the conservatory a bit. So, you went, you went there. Oh, I studied harpsichord, harpsichord. and pipe organ oh and God. composition. Harpsichord and um, pipe harpsichord organ. And pipe organ. Yeah, I uh, I am basically an 18th century musician. I I play Johann Sebastian Bach, and uh, you know Scarlatti. Harpsichord in his living room, folks. I do. I have a concert grand two manual two keyboard harpsichord that's yes, eight feet long, and and uh, you know I practice all the time and go in the cathedrals and play the big pipe organs and, I, and see, all that. I dig good pipe organs. People I do pe- too. People can play a pipe organ well. I, the way it yeah. just fills the room. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I love incorporating that stuff into uh, whatever. In fact, I got to do a um, a wonderful commercial with Corey Burton, who's the voice of the Haunted Mansion, for one of our local shopping centers here in Sacramento. Um, I did like a Haunted Mansion holiday kind of a, you know, Danny Elfman score. And I had lots of organ in that. Ooh, what do we got going there? <laughs> There you go. You would be, you would fit in at uh, roller rinks, ice rinks, and no kid, baseball no, games. That's what it's about. All to say. skate, all skate. 
little fast for ice Look at for rollers. Skating, on, skating backwards. Can you believe it? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, anyway, so I do have that classical training, and it uh, it's just a lot of fun to uh, to do kind of a tribute to you know Buddy Baker and and uh, you know all those all those musical things that were done in the fifties and sixties for Disney to recreate that soundstage with the symphony orchestra doing those kinds of things is is just a real you know fun thing for me to do so yeah, I'm glad I have an opportunity there's something very unique about that era of you know Disney's stuff and all their music having a very um, I say continuity to it you know mm-hmm. and it showed it showed what a visionary Walt Disney was because even in 1964 when he was shooting Mary Poppins, he insisted on a stereo soundtrack. Well, even Fantasia was recorded in stereo. Yeah, yeah. But, but but the theaters couldn't play it, right? Well, well they, they, had, they had Fantas, I think it was called Fantasound. Sound, yes. so their, their, their own sort of, you know, early Yeah, it was, uh, it was a multi-track, if I remember correctly. I think there was actually four tracks to it. And at the time that they were using it, they, uh, the uh, recorders, since they didn't have uh, multi-head recorders, they actually physically geared the knobs together so when the sound guys would pan left or right, it physically moved all these knobs back back and forth to adjust how their sound was going to work on it. Yeah, I understand not too many. Th- I mean, they they installed it in some theaters, but, uh, you know, yeah, he was way ahead of his time. Now, are you familiar with Bear McCreary? No. Um, yeah, this is gonna sound I'm funny. sorry, my riot's coming. Um, oh, you're right. He, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, he became the composer for Battlestar Galactica after the miniseries. He took over in, in season one. And okay. I gotta say, he, yeah, he's got a heavy use of drums. They almost sound like what was it? Those Kyoto drums. Um, oh yeah. And he also has heavy Celtic and uh, influence. And it's just, it's a wide, kind of varied variety of music through Battlestar Galactic. And basically an unknown when he took over. I think he's also done, he's done Terminator, Sarah Chronicles. He's doing Caprica now. He did some video games called Dark Void. um, So he's fairly, I guess you could say, new to the scene, but just, I mean, it's those that type of music you just close your eyes and it just you know drives you and it's 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 really good. I played one track on Hit Parade the other day. I don't know the whole the whole show was done just on movie soundtracks and I know a lot of people don't really you know get into that uh, that type of thing. I got but, I got know, a got a stack of them on my uh, library wall here. I love them. Yeah, he he studied under uh, Elmer Bernstein, which most people should know. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Uh, uh, that's, that's, yeah, Disney is big on Tycho drums too for their parade soundtrack. Tycho drums, that's what it was. And my drums, friend, yeah. uh, my friend Brian Kilgore, who I went to high school with, is a session musician. He's the guy that plays the Tycho drums and, and does a lot of percussion on those parade soundtracks. And uh, he did the uh, the Small World Christmas, all the percussion on that. Um, so yeah, they're they're big on on doing just you know elaborate production, you know, with lots of percussion. And uh, I love those taiko drums. Well, you know, <laughs> there are, I'll just say that. And cowbell. I love cowbell. Cowbell. <laughs> cowbell. We're just cowbell. never enough cowbell. You know what I'm saying? What I like about the, the, 
the taiko drums, it, it's all, you know, it's all syncopated and they listen to each other. You know, it's all, they all cue off of each other. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's not, uh, what's the other, you know, it's not rudimentary drums where everyone's got their stuff and they're just head down playing their stuff in time. It's all very yeah. syncopated. Yeah, they got a pretty good taiko drum uh, thing going over to Epcot in a, uh, Tokyo or not totally, the Japan Pavilion, if you catch it. It's, it's pretty good. And a little uh, side note here. I found, uh, I, t- I tend to go to the iTunes movie trailers a lot. I found something coming out that I wasn't aware of. I don't know if you guys are. Uh, it's supposed to be in theaters March 26th. Waking Sleeping Beauty. And they, the little icon caught me. Then I saw it's won all kinds of little, you know, awards at film festivals. So I thought, oh, great. This is just, you know, this isn't, something I want to see. It's some art piece, but um, it's uh, it's about the revigoration of the animation department at Disney when um, you know, from Little Mermaid through the, basically that 10 year stretch uh, of stuff and, the, and they talked to uh, yeah, Howard Ashman yeah, they talked to Howard Ashman, Roy Disney, Jeff Katzenberg, uh, John Musker. I have to say though, in watching the um, trailer, Jeffrey Kassenberg, I thought, was a little harsh and not so fair to some of the prior animation works. Um, it, it kind of, I think, put down the animators, and it wasn't necessarily their fault of kind of the direction the studio was going and the, the projects they were picking, but um, it's interesting. And, you know, you're, and the funny thing, you even see Tim Burton animating. So you, you'll you see John Lasseter, Don Bluth, uh, Tim Burton, these guys when they were animators for Disney. So it, it's an interesting behind the scenes and there's a great aerial shot of the studio when the back lot is still there. You see all the western lots, the Zorro lot, uh, the Passamaquoddy lot. Um, it's, it's a great aerial shot in color and uh, it's, it's something worth to go to the iTunes movie trailers and check it out. It's in high def or standard. If you know. all that, that's no longer there. Yeah, parking structures and office buildings. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sad. I even pause it on the screen. I'll click it and get my orientation here. Oh man, all that's gone. Um, but Richard and I did get to experience some of it when we were at the park, and some of the back lot was still there, which was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But you know, this I, I what isn't real clear to me is if this is a short. Or it's a full-length documentary. It doesn't really say, but it's something worth you know checking the trailer out because I have a feeling it's going to be a somewhat limited run. Uh, like I wanted to see Moon. Did anybody see Moon in theater? I had to wait till it was available on Netflix. It had a very limited run. It was an interesting little movie. Um, I liked it, but it's like why did that's the that's the one with the miner on the moon. Yes, yes. That's, why does it for the, the most part solo act? Yeah, why do these films come out like that in limited run and then never get fully released? I just don't it, get it's, it's that. the cost of distribution. Because it flops. <laughs> oh, no, no. Was it a short? short film? No, 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 no. It, it's not That's a short. Rank. And I don't think it was one of those, you know, we're testing the waters. Usually the thing just goes in distribution unless it's one of those, you know, special artsy films where they, oh. you know, it's in New York, it's in L.A., then it opens everywhere another day. It wasn't one of those. It's just, it's, you know, the reason, the reason they'll, they'll do that is they'll do a limited run because the cost of making all the prints that need to be shipped out every which direction. And at the same token, nowadays, studios always are keeping in the back of the minds, 
they don't want a movie to stay in the theater too terribly long because that gives a pirate too long, too much time to be able to make recordings. They want to get in and out of the theater within about a month to six weeks. I don't, and, you know, and, I don't and, buy and, that, and, Richard. Not at all. Why? The, because they want the DVDs released within a couple months after that. And I don't buy that because you can already. You're not finding that many people in the theaters anymore at the handhelds because you can almost day one when the films out, sometimes before, get DVD quality knockoffs that are already coming out. Um, so it doesn't matter how long it's in a theater. They're pirated before they open. Well, open. They're good I'm, I'm going by what some of the meetings I sat in on a couple of years ago. With uh, yeah, exactly. A couple of years ago. It's changed in the last couple of years. But, and but by that, the way, have the, you, have, the, have you saw the distribution idea, though, is still very valid. Now, that might be changing as you're going into your solid state cinema, which uses digital projectors and hard drives. Then you don't have to worry about the print cost. It's just a data download. And that could be a tremendous uh, uh, promotion for more independent films out there. Yeah, I actually thought it was more with Moon. I thought it was going to be one of those movies that nobody saw that was going to be up for all the Academy Awards. You know, the small film that they did limited release in big, big cities like L.A., New York, uh, you know, Chicago, things like that. And then no and one's seen it, but it's New York, Chicago. Yeah. Uh, now, by the way, if have you guys seen Alice? Oh, yes. I have not. Okay. Yes. Right. So more importantly for Alice, you saw the 3D Tron trailer, right? IMAX. That tr- Tron's looking pretty good. No, we missed the trailer. We walked in right at the beginning of the show. Oh, oh okay. They they had a trailer for Tron, uh, Tron Legacy. Oh, I would like to have seen that. Oh, the latest. So they're, 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 showing, they're showing the trailer on imdb.com. Of course, not 3D, but it still looks really nice. Yes. It is like it, it, the storyline seems to be going pretty good, and the fact that they're getting so many of the original stars, such as uh, Bruce, Bruce Boxleiter and... Um, uh, Bridges. Jeff Bridges and whatnot. Yeah, that's what I said, Jeff Bridges. Well, no, I, I was trying to say uh, it before because sure. you were flopping with it. I was trying to get it out there for yeah, you. Yeah, it, it looks like it's going to be pretty good. Uh, hopefully, I mean, the let's let's be quite frank. Like Captain EO, Tron was probably bigger because it was a computer animated film. They you know they claimed to be the first computer animated film, more so than it was a great great story and film. I think the film was, you know maybe average at best, but it's one of those, I don't know, it iconic a neat concept type film, I thought. Yeah. I still look at it as a neat concept film, I mean, especially for its day. Well, you know, I think Alice in Wonderland was very overwhelming. Special effects were outstanding. I thought the story was a bit weak and slow. My wife didn't think so, and she's, a, she's not an Alice fan at all, but she liked the movie. I thought it was a little slow getting going, a little weak on the story again, but, I mean, visually... A stunning movie, an unbelievable. You know, I'm going. How they freaking do that? You know, it's yeah. really stunning. And I, and I, of course, uh, noticed that uh, the Mad Hatter was wearing a kilt in one of the scenes. <laughs> of course, <laughs> being killed, kilt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I gotta say that that hit the. Oh, okay, uh, now there's an outfit. I'm I'm looking for that. The uh, Mad Hatter hat that we have at Disneyland with the orange wig underneath it, part of the hat, is becoming a 
very big item uh, that you're seeing it all over the place. It's, I uh, will bet. Yeah, they don't, they, but they don't have a, a hat that resembles the type of hat that he wore in the movie. Just yeah, the cartoon, it's, just the cartoon hat. No, no, no. They have the hat just like what uh, Johnny Depp's wearing in the movie. The uh, oh, they do with the orange shim- hair the, sticking up. Yeah, the shimmering. Uh, what do you want to say? The shimmering uh, multicolors and everything on it. With and there's an orange wig at the base of it. Yeah. Nice. Okay. I've got, yeah, I've got one of the old Mad Hatter hats I bought in the old uh, Fantasyland in 1981. I still have that one. The, the Mad Hatter shop was in between Peter Pan and Mr. Toad. It was just uh-huh. this little tiny shop, and I've managed to hang on to that over the years. Unfortunately, I think this movie's going to just further um, squash my ideas of bringing back Beauty and the or bringing Beauty and the Beast into the location of. Uh, Alice, I think it will, you know, help. Well, Alice. I, had, yeah. I've, I actually have had guests asking when we're going to be putting the Johnny Depp figure in Alice in Wonderland, yeah. like we did over it. And, you and, know, it yeah. wouldn't surprise me. And one thing I've wondered about is is the face character that walks around the park going to, you know, be closer to what the movie is now rather than the classic animated character that Mark Davis, I think, you know, designed. You know, that's interesting. Could you see, what about the, uh, uh, the, um, the, the, I wanted to call it the Wicked, Wicked Witch, the King of, uh, Queen of, uh, Queen of Hearts. Heart. What they took, the, the one we know that's in the park all the time, and change it to, you know, more like the movie, the bubble head and all, and I think that'd be awesome. It would be. It kind of would remind me of the character that I saw that was short-lived Corella DeVille. You ever see her walking around the park? I happened to get a snapshot with her. Well, yeah, I see her. She still walks the park. She's typically in DCA, stuff. though, right? <laughs> yeah, she's usually over at DCA in Hollywood, but she's a lot. I've, uh, the last few times I've caught her, in fact, I caught her like two days ago, or I guess today, I, I caught her right there in town square. It's kind of hit and miss, and so I, I was bumping into. Um, uh, Mary Poppins and Bart for a while by the uh, piano player on Main Street, and I haven't bumped into them uh, in, in quite a while. And then you go to Disney World, and you get a whole different array of characters. Clarabelle Cow is on Main Street every morning, uh, and some of the characters you don't see at Disneyland anymore. Some of the, the uh, Country Bear uh, characters, uh, oddly enough, they were in Epcot by Germany, I think. It just didn't fit where they were at. They still uh, have the Country Bear attraction in Walt Disney World, don't they? That is correct. They still do, yeah. Okay, so that ties in. That makes sense. Well, it, it does, but it doesn't make sense why they're in Germany and Epcot. But, yes, it makes sense you'd still have those characters about. Yeah. And they weren't dressed up in Lederhosen or anything. I mean, sometimes you'll see Goofy in a kilt. Uh, or not a kilt, but he's usually got some kind of, uh, uh, like, uh, cardigan. Donald in a sombrero. Yeah, so the, those make sense because they themed them to the area. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, it never made sense, and I've got pictures of them on my Flickr account somewhere where the country bears. And somebody said, were they brother bear? No, no, I've seen brother bear in Canada, but no, these were definitely country bear jamboree dudes uh, out of place. But, yeah, you see, some, you see a total different array of characters in, in Florida than you do here. I, I, I You know, I was watching... Uh, uh, that movie, Forty Pounds of Trouble, which Richard had planned to pick up tonight, but you know he shafted me in the studio. Oh, hey, nice. uh, way to bring that back! All right. Uh, and, and you see some of the old classic characters you don't. I see said maybe. Anymore. I never said definite. I said yes. You did the maybe. three little pigs uh, that used to be in the park all the time. 
all seven dwarfs used to be in the park all the time. The uh, Mad Hatter with the gigantic head? Yes. yes. I, I have that on old home movies from 1964. Yeah, you need, little pigs you, you need to get those converted to video because you could probably sell those. Oh, wait. Did I say that out loud? You could probably make oh, some. You didn't, you didn't say it. You, didn't you, could probably ask, you could probably ask for sizable donations. Yes, thank yeah. you, Greg. Now, just to help defray um, the costs, of course, right? Yeah, yeah. So you guys are in high def, right? You're not you're not standing in this, the analog world anymore. Is that well, correct? Here's here's where we stand on the high def thing. We do shoot uh, some of our footage in high def, um, but because our podcasts are you know typically between forty minutes and an hour and five minutes long, uh, a high def file would be huge. And so we need to keep it, you know, realistic for people that want to download onto their computers. And, and uh, so we get the best picture quality that we can, and then we go to uh, SD. And, um, and You know, but that, that is a dirty little secret of all the ones who claim to be in HD. Their original content is captured in HD, but I don't believe any of them other than the... Um, aspect ratio are providing their content in HD. It's just size prohibited to, to download. I released yeah. a couple at, uh, the, at the Main Street Cinema in full HD because they were only like three minutes long. They were the Elvis impersonator in Tomorrowland. And so they were short little snippets. And, and at that, they were 700 megabyte files for like three minutes. Right. So, yes, unless you were, you know, sending CDs out, or DVDs or whatever. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, CDs. No, it's, yeah. it's prohibited to do high def download. Most pe- people wouldn't wait or be that patient to, uh, yeah. to let that happen. I think uh, Chris from the Big D puts his out in uh, Apple Movie format, and yeah, I think he's got a couple feeds, and I think one of them, you're right is it's Apple TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's it. Still, is a great quality picture. Our uh, our bit rate is high. And, uh, you know, it still shows up pretty good, and you can blow it up to full screen, and it still looks, you know, pretty decent. Let but me tell you, he's very persnickety about the quality of the picture that goes out on our podcasts. Who, I, I don't blame is? him. I'm the same way. Every time I, I – I, 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 sometimes I've rendered five or six times because I look at it, I'm like, that looks like crap. I'm going to do it again. Yeah. You know, I, I've got like a limit of what I want on file size and so I totally understand that uh, you're be persnickety well wait, all right now uh, when you change it and re-render it I mean you make a change somewhere right you just don't do it all the same settings and re-render and hope it to be different right because that's, um, that's kind of like the definition of insanity isn't it yeah <laughs> doing the same well, thing over and over again right. and expecting a different result in futility if you uh, increase the bit rate and do another run of it, you yeah, can okay, see, so yeah, you so you are making different. some min- some manner of change to the file before you re-render. I just, you know, yeah. Greg said I don't like it. I'll do it over again. I'm thinking, please tell me you'd make a change. Well, yeah, no, it's just you're right. It's it's, it's okay. a bit rate change, or it's it's something in, you know, the settings. It's not re-editing the whole thing. It's those little settings. But you know, sometimes I can take hours to re-render. It's like okay, render, walk away. You know, it's 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 not something that you wait five minutes for. It's it's usually multiple hours. I've I've found uh, sure. on some of those. I'll turn on render and go watch Battlestar Galactica season six. <laughs> uh, all of season <laughs> all six. Of season six, six yeah. Come back. Oh, 
I went well, if if there was a season six, it stopped at four point five. So yeah, I went I went to Tahoe. Who cares? What, what was that? What was that? Seasons. I knew they only had four seasons. I just want to see if anybody was nerdy enough to catch it. Oh boy, oh, not me. I was. I I'll, made. I'll I'm going to pull the DF hat out of, out of the plastic bag here. <laughs> oh, you I mean, have? I'm watching. Yes. You have I a DF? Do. I do. Uh, Paul Barry gave me a DF hat at um, at the very last uh, Gary Chambers, you know, uh, martini party. Isn't that like calling the kettle black? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I spouted off some Disneyism, and he says, oh, here you go. And then he walked out the door like, oh, you're stuck with it now. So <laughs> I, have, I have kept my version of the DF hat. Uh, you know, uh, safe and secure, and it's going to return. There must be another one. Oh, safe there's, 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 be there's like three. Zip. I, I would keep it, leave it at home. There is a whole new set of them coming out. There's two. I've seen two of them. Some, someone, a regular DPNer has. Yeah. Now, perhaps in case somebody is new to the show or new to DPN, let's explain what the DF hat is. What a good idea, Mike. Oh, okay. Uh, Who'd like ex- to Didn't it? Wait, Greg could probably explain, because didn't it start with your fat and happy trip? Yeah, it did kind of get started fat and happy. And it's, you know, good trip it's, it, it, it's for those people who can't resist singing along on a ride or quoting something. Uh, I was doing really good. I only, I think I only had to wear it once, maybe twice. Uh, I mistakenly on the mummy ride said the eyes of Mara. It came out before <laughs> I knew what my mouth was saying. It was, you know, it was unbelievable because I definitely was staying away from saying things. And then there was, you know, we'd kind of modify the rules. You know, there there is um, a point of not DFing if it's like related to the show or you've had to explain something to someone. But it's it's for those moments where you you know. You're watching the parade next thing, you know, you find yourself or the guy next to you singing along to it or uh, uh, quoting the spiel on some attraction, uh, you know, things of that nature. Um, also, right. And we, and we had a whole set of rules at Fat and Happy 07. Uh, yeah, those are Fat and Happy 07. We, we, and it's, it's been modified and changed. And, uh, you know, because Mike and I started DF as Disney fundamentalists, you know, for those that never want to see anything change and it's also kind of grown into just like disney fanatic disney fan disney uh, so freak disney freak uh, yes. freak is one way to look at it so the, the hat's more for you know not the fundamentalist but for the freak or super freak fans that you know uh, like to quote and or give more information along give more information yeah. like yeah. like for example i saw the bleep and wife are in the ears because we're watching phantasmic and you know, this is the old dragon. The old dragon made an appearance. And she goes, oh, our dragon's just a backhoe. That earned her the ears. Here's your sign. Yes. Yeah. So, As a matter you know, of fact, on a, on a related note, I wore uh, my uh, certified DF t-shirt all day today. What a coincidence. Um, yeah. we, we have our little t-shirt line of, uh, of fun designs, and certified DF is one of them. And, and people always ask me, hey, what is that? You know, and, so uh, it's something that uh, that definitely will will continue to you know be popular. I'm well, sure. We can. And, you know, a lot of people. A lot of people's mind go to dump. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. uh, so, um, yeah. Well, you can earn your well, DF we wings. Well, 
here at wait, my you also think, Greg, wait, wait, wait. Did I hear correctly that you withheld and you did not continue on with that <laughs> That's sentence? right, he did. This is a, this is a first. Wait, wait. It no, might, I, be, it I, might I, be a consideration said, for our guests. Yes, I, I said dumb frack. So. Yes, he did. I heard that. Uh, See, if it was just the three of us, he he'd, pro- probably, he'd probably drop the whole F-bomb, but, you know. Yeah, uh, Greg. Actually, I, I did not. I didn't, you know, not every show needs to be full of colorful metaphors. Uh, you know, it's funny, as we were playing poker the other yeah, night. Keep the color Mike, Disney. That's right. Mike's sailor mouth opened wide during poker the other night. You know, and <laughs> I don't Greg, need to hear this. Wait, no, wait I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. Mouth and cigar, they always go together at a poker game. All the, all those fracking words came out of his mouth, just like a sailor. You know, on the show, he he tries to put on this persona. I don't know what you're you talking know. about. I I was sitting exactly. there quiet. I was watching. I was the new guy. I just kept my mouth. Oh to... yeah, yeah, yeah. One... Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I I have to say, at one you know, point, Jeff though was making me laugh. Way back when when Mike was still in his single days and he was still visiting his buddies down there in North Island and San Diego, I went with him a couple times. I met some of his friends that were still in the Navy. I learned so much Spanish that cannot be used in mixed company down there. <laughs> and Mike goes, oh, yeah. And he gave me a few extra words that I, you know, I never dreamed of. But oh, it's definitely words on. you cannot say without uh, without being able to run real fast. <laughs> well, it depends on who you say him to, you know. <laughs> That's true. It depends on who you say him to. Just don't say him to anybody that understands what you're saying. And I wouldn't even understand half of what I was saying. I just remember the words. So, but you know what's funny? Going back to that DF thing. Yeah, thanks. I was just about to uh, go uh, back. The, the way Mike, Mike, and I coined it. In fact, that that was a really a, a funny show. I I think I caught Mike off guard. And he, he laughed for. A I long was having time, a hard but... time keeping it. Actually, I've isolated that whole discussion. I think I have it somewhere. Oh, good. Right, the can... the. The funny thing about that is is a lot of DFs in our way of describing them as a fundamentalist who never want to see anything change don't necessarily realize that some of the things they don't want to see changed aren't even old enough to be considered, you know, true Walt Disney era stuff. Yeah. Um, and some of those same people who just constantly complain how Eisner or Pressler or some of these guys totally fracked over the parks. Um, <laughs> none of them would want to feel like I'm go, in an episode of Battlestar Galactica here. Yeah, none of them would probably want to go back and remove all the things that Eisner and these guys did because that's really the and, and a lot of them come from Disney World. I don't. I don't think I see as many fundamentalists uh, with Disneyland other than Owl Putts and some of those. But you know what the uh, you know what the flaw in that whole idea is though. They're trying to keep what's always been there. When Walt's main philosophy was, it would always be changing. It will never be finished. Right. So, there is imagination left in the world. So why, why fret over the stuff that was when they're adding stuff that hasn't been? Well, I totally agree. But the, the funny thing is, is um, uh, so many of these people I know that, that are in our podcasting world and listeners and, and such – don't know the Disneyland of the 60s, 70s, don't know the Walt Disney World of the 70s and early 80s. And when they complain about the changes, they don't realize that, you know, when Eisner came in, you might want to say he was the one that raped the environment of Walt Disney World. I mean, they totally went into expansion mode 
under him for for some good for some bad but you know they would not want to see uh, the MGM taken out or the animal kingdom taken out uh, you know if you want to go to fundamentalism to the point that these guys were truly you know whores half of Disney all, world, all the hotels that were built too yeah half of Disney World wouldn't be there some of Disneyland wouldn't be there you know well, that but that so, was Walt's vision he wanted to be able to have enough land that was always his frustration about Disneyland he never had enough land and he knew what was going to happen in Anaheim that he was going to get surrounded by all these CD motels which is well, exactly what happened and when he bought the land for Walt Disney World he envisioned putting hotels and other places to stay on his property all connected by the monorail that is true to to a, some extent but uh, and the only reason I, I say some is because we, we, we've heard that quote from Walt so many times. And we've got enough land here, you know, to, you know, to build forever almost. I, I don't remember the exact course, quote at the moment. But, of course, you now know, the company's selling it. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, they, they have sold a lot of it. But, you know, maybe it's land that's not really usable, I, you know, for, for their needs. It's too far in the fringe of the edge. But when it really comes down to one of the reasons they went beyond Anaheim, is because they weren't getting much, um, many tourists east of the Rockies. Most of Disneyland's, let's say, locals, I'm air quoting, were west of the Rockies. They weren't getting a big east coast. That's exactly why Walt jumped into the uh, New York World's Fair, 64-65 fair. Right, because he wanted wanted the east coast audiences would take his kind of amusement park. Right. So, the, and then the additional benefit by that time was, yes, Disneyland was being surrounded by, you know, the CD hotels, and he couldn't control the environment. So, you know, it kind of was a twofer. But a lot of people forget the first part. He wouldn't be out there in the first place if the East Coast had been flooding to his Disneyland. Well, they weren't. So, let's bring yeah. it to them. And for years, he had, you know, people like Charles Ridgway, his press agent. Uh, you know, traveling all over the country, trying to entice people to come out to California, and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, he was he was busy nonstop, you know, trying to uh, spread the word. But I think right. Steve is right. The World's Fair did open up, you know, the whole interest, absolutely, in, in Disney to the East Coast, and oh, so, so a bigger world market too. I mean, just uh, people from all over came and saw that it was televised. I mean, uh, people saw. Um, well, actually, you, you might say he just changed theme park history. Uh, he'd already done it once in '55. He did it again in in '64 uh, because he plussed anything that he had planned to do. I mean, new technology came out of that that they weren't even ready for. Let's say Disneyland yet. I mean, uh, and amazingly, the Imagineers were thrown into that. Yeah, they had I mean, five months or less to do that stuff. Yeah. Pirates would have been a walkthrough if it hadn't have been for Small World at the World's Fair. That ride system enabled them to change their plans for Pirates. So the, a lot, it was, it's almost like the, the equality of the, uh, the equal to the space program to the United States. All the technology that we take for granted to today, little things like Velcro, uh, Tang, <clears throat> and unlock you know, brakes. And, I mean, all kinds of technology that have been byproducts. Well, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, even. Even your audio animatronics. Yes. I was going to say your audio audio animatronics would have been left to flowers, uh, crocodiles, and the occasional bird until you had Mr. Lincoln and you had the Carousel of Progress, which really... Well, quite quite frankly, the only audio animatronic that probably be considered truly audio animatronic 
prior to the World's Fair is the Tiki Room. But most they didn't call the stuff in Jungle Cruise or on the Rivers of America. No, it, it was, he was referring, referring entirely to the Tiki Room when he said flower animal. Well, I, I threw bird. the crocodiles in there too, but that that would have been the limitation on on the animation. And it well, still it, it, to yeah, the animation. it might have taken. Yeah, it might have taken a lot longer to get there. You know, if it wasn't for the threat of Soviet Russia, their space program might have taken another 20 years to do what we did in, uh, what, well, five, I, think there was, whatever, I you know. don't think there's quite the same threat from Six Flags back then. Or hell. No, no, <laughs> no, but the competition, the, the, having but to get something was, done that for the World's Fair that quickly, you know, pushed them to a point they weren't being pushed at to develop Disneyland itself. And, and I'd, I'd like to invite your listeners to check out uh, the podcast that's uh, out right now, which is Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. And Bob Gurr, our, our buddy who uh, was instrumental in building that first AA robot, um, talks about you know the evolution for the World's Fair of, of the AA figures from the cavemen and the Ford uh, you know, Skyway the magic oh, highway and Skyway, yeah. yeah and and how things developed and and he shares kind of a lot of that history in this episode and then of course if you haven't been to see Lincoln yet um we have uh, the full episode and then a discussion between Bob Gurr and Josh Shipley who is the show director for the new show so uh it's it's a really cool you know uh, uh assembly of Lincoln and I'm so glad they've brought him back. Talking about, you know, be, uh, being a DF and and wishing things had not gone away. For the longest time, it was like, oh, are they going to bring Lincoln back, or are we going to, you know, watch you know, forever? And I'm so glad but, that that uh, Tony Baxter said, hey, you got to bring Lincoln back. But see, yeah, in, this as, in, in this aspect, unlike Captain Pio or EO, <laughs> um, Lincoln never physically left. Uh, you know, he was still there. Any, everything that they really needed for the show, though they they it, took things out, and fixed things up. He never left. Captain EO was stripped out. Right. A new theater was, you know, recrafted and retooled for a new show. Ironically, it, Mr. Lincoln never left until they started redoing the show. <laughs> he was right, wrapped in plastic in the back. <laughs> but you understand, he always, you know, they they worked on a new figure. But theoretically, all the show elements were still there. You can't say the same thing for EO. EO is definitely, um, you know, historic in a certain sense that an attraction physically left with no intention of ever bringing it back. Lincoln closed with an intention of doing that 50-year party. And, and you know, we could About close it forever, but it's, it's all there, still there. You know, it, it's, it's like when the Walt Disney story came about. Lincoln was still there. They just had a movie, uh, a movie screen in front of it. So, you know, you know I gotta say, let's bring went, it back. I went walking through uh, the lobby area and through Lincoln Theater. And when the, the craftsmanship that they did and the, the woodwork and everything, and the fake woodwork, uh, the, the grain that they added to the steel doors that were in there that makes them look full, very much wood-like. But just, you know, a little bit overwhelmed as I was walking through there. It just looks so nice now. It does. You know what? I was talking to, I don't remember who I was talking to, but, you know, when, um, and I think it was 77, 79, somewhere in there, when they added the Abominable Snowman to the Matterhorn, they, they enclosed the top of the lift. You know, it used to be open, 
Mm-hmm. It used to come out and see so everything. And you you can't tell so much anymore. But for the first 10, 15 years, you could look up there and say, you know, if you knew what you were looking for, that's new. And I, I, somebody in the park, so one, one cast member told me, you know, that's the difference between artist craftsmen and some contractor, you know, yeah, filling it together. Yeah, yeah and, and that's you know you can tell that you know craftsmen were used in in the new Lincoln. Okay, now speaking of old guys, everybody knows who uh, Raleigh Crump is, right? Yeah. Raleigh. Yes. Yeah. Or Roland is. Roland is. I. I heard one day there's a there's a little um, uh, Asian restaurants considered Chinese I guess I consider it kind of a generic blend but you know what do I know um, and I've taken Shaft there once and there's some interesting artwork on the walls and it's got an interesting motif in the place and I'd heard somebody over say to somebody else in the restaurant once else you know somebody that works for Disney did these or you know the guy that created Small World and I'm and I'm scratching my head I couldn't really read the writing. So I was standing there waiting for takeout the other day, and they, they had this article taped in the window when they opened. And I don't remember when they opened. They've been there a while. And the write-up goes, and, you know, the owner knows Roland Crump, who worked for Walt Disney and helped create It's a Small World, did all the artwork that's in this little restaurant. And they do all have that look of uh, that very stylistic look of Small World and the artwork of Small World that um, a lot of people might say Mary Blair, but not everything in there was Mary Blair. Um, so it's interesting. So if you want to see some original, you know, Walt Disney artist artwork in a restaurant, come to Huntington Beach at Edinger and Golden West. The place is called Kung Pao Bowl, and there's Roland Crump artwork. Uh, hanging in the restaurant. You probably are not going to find that in too many places. These are original created for this restaurant. They're not, you know, duplicates of some other Disney thing right. hanging on the wall. They're yeah. originals. It's very- you know, you, hey, speaking of this. Peace, because um, when you were saying that, it reminded me of an episode that we've got coming up on the Park Hoppin' Party with Ron Diaz. And uh, Ron started in, uh, with Disney in uh, about 1956 and uh, did a lot of the background art for uh, Sleeping Beauty. And he now sells his paintings in that same style and others uh, around the country. Uh, but you look at one of these pictures and it looks like you're looking at a, at a, at a uh, still from Sleeping Beauty. See, I love the backgrounds of Sleeping Beauty. It's, it's very so stylistic. Very, very different from previous and post-adventures in, in Disney animation. It, it's very unique and distinct and uh, very cool. I, I, I dig that one. Well, you'll uh, enjoy the interview with Ron Diaz then on the Park Up and Party. Yeah, movie <laughs> average, you know, and you know, movie average, but I thought the, the backgrounds, you know, it's weird. You know, most people are not attracted to, you know, backgrounds, things like that. They're attracted to the characters and the story, but, you know, like I, I want People that are like us that are into Disney have yeah. a lot more heightened awareness of this stuff than the average bozo on the crosstown bus for crying out loud. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you, you could say that about the average GF in a teacup because, <laughs> uh, again, a lot of them are into the characters and the nuances of the characters and, you know, and, and all that, but they don't necessarily know the artist behind it or the styles. You know, oh, like no, I look, you they're know, lost in the fantasy of it, not in the artistry of it. Right. I look at Pinocchio and I just think they've never recreated... I mean, anything is highly artistic is the 
the scenes in Pinocchio and the backgrounds okay. of that, that city. Okay. It's just unbelievable. Hey, real quick, uh, Mike, Steve, when you've done any of your, uh, speaking of small world, when you've in uh, front of the building and how they uh, got some, they uh, got some of that done. Was Bob involved in the the? Uh, he to ask him how the story. Ask him to tell the story because he can tell it far better than I can. But he's talking about that they I'm were sure. designing. Yeah, thank I, you. I know. It, I know it has something <laughs> to do with uh, Mary Blair's jewelry. Well, that. But they were. He said they were uh, designing the uh, the facade of how the building's going to look. Mm-hmm. And Walt, talking we're talking about it's a small world. Okay. Yeah, we're talking about how the facade was going to look in uh, the one in both, the uh, Magic Kingdom, Man- New York, and even more so in the Magic Kingdom. Really? Yeah, and I think it was the, in this case they were bringing the uh, president or somebody of uh, Bank of America to Walt was walking him in to show what the new building was going to look like for the uh, uh, small world at Disneyland. Okay, and Disneyland, it, not the Magic Kingdom. I think the Magic Kingdom facade. I, I meant, I'm sorry, I meant Disneyland. <laughs> and well, I, it, it would be really scary to have Walt bringing in anybody showing how the facade. Well, I was, I was, it was, it was like Mike's thing about you going to the wilderness at Joshua's Tree. Uh, you, yeah. I, I said the, the Magic Kingdom. Uh huh. <laughs> Disneyland. That Walt is Walt's personal Magic Kingdom, guys. In, yeah, yeah. And they're just not satisfied. They're not happy with the way the uh, facade's working out. And they literally have minutes before Walt's coming in. So uh, Bob looked over at the table at the uh, little doilies that they had their cups and drinks sitting on. And he just grabbed a few of them grab some paste and he started sticking them on the different places on the uh, <laughs> model and hence that's why you take a look at some of those spinners that are on the front of that they look like doilies they are doilies that's where they got the idea from and it's just like Walt comes walking in and the glue's not even dry yet but Walt comes walking in and they go oh that looks great that looks wonderful oh yeah it looks very fantastic okay and they walk out I mean they were there for about a total of 30 seconds they walked out they liked the design so that's how it ended up with the, uh, some of the design features oh that's not that's just amazing that's not unsimilar to that story with you know the Sleeping Beauty's castle uh, the oh, yeah it's not about. actually built the way it was designed. It's it's the, if you take everything above the uh, drawbridge, there's, you know they picked that piece up and turned it around. Wonder if it looked like, you know, what what would it look like like this? Walt walks in, says, "Love it," and there you go. It, you the really, no, I'll tell you how I've heard that story. I've okay. heard that story that Walt was coming to see the scale model of the uh, castle. Walked in and looked at it. Walked up to the castle, picked up the turret part at the top, turned it around, and said, "What if it looked like that?" And walked out. Well, the the story I had heard from one of the, uh, and I think this one came from, um, oh, what's his name, uh, Sam McKim, was telling the story, is that uh, they were getting ready to present the model to Walt, and at the last minute, the guy that did the design flipped the thing around backwards. And everybody's going, oh, crap. I mean, they don't have a chance to change anything back around or what's going to happen. And Walt comes looking in, and he just looks at it. He goes, maybe he won't notice. Maybe he won't notice. And he looks at it. He goes, oh, looks good. The top's backwards. 
looks better, and he walks out. Yes, okay. the thing about the these stores, stories, you know, yeah, they're viral. You know, that once they're told a hundred times, little little nuances of them. Change. Well, it's the old put eight people in a circle and start a story. <laughs> Telephone, yeah, that's right. <laughs> My favorite one was with Johnny Dangerously with uh, when they had the story oh, yeah. going through the print. Yeah. <laughs> the parent, right? The parent the starts at one end. <laughs> yeah, it's a terrible start when the sun shines. Yeah. My brother's in danger of an assassination. That's not what I said. Yeah, but I know how this the, circle works. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But dang, doesn't that castle look great? Sure yeah, does. It, you know, it looks good, but, you know, I kind of... Let's call it like the big weenie. <laughs> I'd like to see it the other way and see what it would look like. But, it would uh, look like Neuschwanstein. Yes, yeah. it would. Look, would look a lot like that. But there's all kinds of great little stories like that about, you know, how things were presented or if things weren't quite finished. And, and so an interesting and uh, dynamic time in the history but of the park. That's exactly why... Stories. I have an interesting story. When we were doing the uh, Halloween time at the DL bar, green screen stuff. Yeah. I, uh, I had diverticulitis. Oh, yeah. And What's I was in absolute agony, standing there trying to be sugar lips, doing these scenes. <laughs> I was going, oh, you look a little, uh, a little pale there, uh, sugar lips. <laughs> yeah, I sure oh. was. What's diverticulitis? And she was. It, uh, but uh, it's a digestive uh, tract. Uh, break down the word. Yeah, break down that word. A perforation of the colon. Yeah, and it was, it's very, very painful, and he was doubled over, and, and he was about to go back up to Chico. We had one day to shoot our wraparounds, our green screen things, and he was such a trooper. They gave me the meds, and I just bumbled through it. Oh, it was Vicodin. Is that what it was? That, that made <laughs> I don't know. That that so, so, Mike, you're, you're in Sacramento, and, and Steve's in Chico? Yes, that's yep. correct. So that, As a matter of fact, here's a little trivia for you. Oh, here we go. The uh, the DF Christmas Parade, the voiceover stuff when you're watching the parade and you're listening to uh, Regis and Brittany talk, I was in Chico and Mike was in uh, Sacramento, and we were both recording in our studios. Then I sent my file to Mike, and he put my tracks in after his, and it sounded like we were in the same parade. That's yeah, awesome. the magic of technology. Thank God for that. <laughs> but Chico, yeah, Chico's not that far from Sacramento. What, maybe an hour? Uh, not three hours. No, 90 no. minutes. It's not that yeah, far. Yeah. The one time I drove up to Chico, we didn't exactly go the most direct route from uh, Yuba City. We cut, you know, up through the twenty and over some little small roads and stuff, and up by Paradise, which is not. Uh, but Chico's like right on the five. five freeway. Yeah, but you know, when when you're exploring the north, you know, there's a lot of little roads and highways to go on. But it was that kind of that's interesting. Not quite the Great White North up there. No, not not quite. No, no, it's it's a beautiful town and. Uh, Steve has been up there on the radio for what seven years, and now he's uh, now he's moved to the internet. He has an internet radio station. That's right. I uh, I have been longing to do this. It's been a dream of mine for many years. I've been collecting stuff. I've worked in radio for over forty years, and I've been collecting stuff ever since. As a matter of fact, real quick story. I'll tell you. Back in 1968, when I had my very first radio job, the first thing I ever said on the radio 
was, ladies and gentlemen, Robert Kennedy has been shot at the Ambassador Hotel. I was 17 years old at a radio station that served Los Angeles, and I was not even supposed to be on the mic. And so I had the wherewithal after I got off the air before I went home to go back into the production studio and take the little five-inch reel-to-reel tape of the Robert F. Kennedy for President commercial and take it home with me. Good. And that kind of got me started collecting different things, be it music or sound bites or comedy bits or whatever. So I've been collecting all this stuff for 40 years and really have never had a showcase place for it, someplace to do with it, because commercial radio, of course, they won't let you do a format like that. They have to do what's popular. Well, they gotta, so they got to sell their airtime, right? Yeah. 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 Well, that helps. Uh, but I have the internet now, and I have started my own radio station, and I am, I'm only like two weeks into it right now, but it's on and it's streaming, and it's stevemichaelsvaultovinyl.com. And I play music from 1900 to 1999 with commercials and sound bites from the news all through the entire 20th century. It's basically the soundtrack of the 20th century, but it's featuring music of the 50s, 60s, and 70s primarily with all of the rest from 1900 to 1949 and 1980 to 1999 mixed up all within that sound. Oh, and you're you're standing next to the, the, the vault in the bank on main street. There's a picture here, right? Oh, he's visiting, he's visiting your website. Yes. I'm looking at your website. That's that's the exact vault it is. It's the one on main street. You're exactly right. Just give me the years. And speaking of, Speaking of RFK, I guess his family's a little upset that the uh, suit he was wearing when he got shot is uh, on display, I think, in Vegas right now. Oh, my. Yeah, it's on and, it, was, it was just It was just there for a short bit during the uh, police convention that was there. And another thing to note, his brother, Teddy, has been sober now, I think, by <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go, yeah. <laughs> Let's raise our glasses to Teddy Kennedy. <laughs> Oh, brother. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, real real quick, we were talking about music a little bit ago, and we were talking about uh, Buddy Baker, who I was noticing here was the mentor of a uh, composer that became one of my favorite composers, Jerry Goldsmith. Oh, yeah. But um, And also... He was one that kind of mentored James Horner into the into the art as well. Um, let's get talk about some other composers that worked for uh, Disney in the uh, 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, the oh, now I'm going to bro- the Sherman Brothers. Yeah, Sherman Brothers. <laughs> you can't just, just, Disney music in the 60s without the Shermans. Yeah, who uh, they just got a window this last week on Main Street. Both brothers. Yeah, that's old news. Yeah, uh, from, yeah, that's that's old news. And from what I understand, now I don't know if this is old news. Those two brothers worked all those years for Disney, somewhat estranged and hating each other. And you know, from what I understand, in their personal life, they didn't talk or communicate. But in their professional life, they did. At least that's a story that's coming down through me through some new contacts I've got, which I found kind of interesting because. And everything you've seen of them recorded with Walt, they just seem like the happiest, go lucky guys. But I guess <laughs> well, in their personal life, they weren't so cozy. I I think that um, that Richard is definitely the more outgoing one, and uh, you know Robert, I think lives abroad in in London right now, and right. I they're just different guys. 
you know, and Richard is the one that's, that's, uh, you know, very happy-go-lucky and loves to, you know, perform and, and share. And, you know, they both did incredible work, and um, nobody can take that away from them. Whether they got along or not, they're, they're definitely legendary. Another one is, um, is, of course, George Bruns, who was a very important part yes. of everything that Walt did on television and, and everywhere. Oh, yeah, arts. signature stuff. Mm-hmm. But did you know, um, I don't know that a lot of people know this. I want to make sure I get it right, so I'm going to Google it really quick. But um, see, see how I backpedaled on the Sherman Brothers thing and made it all nice? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Sherman, a lot of people don't know of, let's say, the Disney crowd, of the Sherman Brothers' work outside of Disney, though. Because I almost said out loud, well, did they do much outside of Disney? They're... They're sort of known for a very famous movie of a character that Disney has um, used in the park uh, to a large extent with no, let's say, tie-in to a Disney movie really per se. Um, it's now kind of a pirate overlay. The, the Mark Twain, or Tom Sawyer, Mark Twain. These were just... Um, Unless, unless I'm missing a movie of Disney's in some uh, fashion, which, you know, I, I wouldn't, you know, I admit freely to, but... Um, no, I think they were calling those boats those names because of the Americana factor. Oh, I think so, too, in the Tom Sawyer's Island. Yet, Robert M. Sherman and Rich, or Robert B. Sherman, Richard M. Sherman, wrote the music and lyrics for the movie Tom Sawyer. I wonder that was that, the Action Life movie, you mean? Yes, the the one with that redhead kid. What's uh, he was very big at the time. Um, yeah. Trying to uh, think of his from name. Family of Carrot Top. No, <laughs> Carrot Top. <laughs> <laughs> He's on Family Affair. And I think Buffy. Uh, very, He's Buffy. Uh, Jody. A very Buffy. young, yeah, Jody Foster also no. uh, in it. Um, and John Williams did the score. The music conducted and adapted by John Williams. But uh, these two dudes, I saw that. I'm like, wait, those are the Disney dudes uh, that are highly involved with this this movie that could have been a Disney movie easily. I mean, it was. Uh, it, it, you know, it's weird. You, you watch a few movies back then, and you're like, this isn't a Disney movie. It seems so Disney like, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of people don't know that they had anything going on outside of Disney. They assume that, you know, they were almost like contract players, or that's that's the only thing they did. Well, yeah. they also, yeah, they they did quite a few little things. They did Chitty Chitty Bang Bang for uh, James Bond producer... Um, Broccoli. Uh, Albert Broccoli, yeah. Oh, there's uh, another movie that's very Disney-esque in a lot of ways, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, in fact, if I remember correctly, I think Disney got the uh, first chance to say no to it before they uh, went on. I'm trying to remember who they ended up uh, using. Uh, they went to Albert Broccoli and um, what was it MGM that did it later on? Yeah. Well, you look at Dick Van Dyke and you go, oh, it's a Disney film. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is some of that. You know what's funny? I, I made this comment on the forums quite a while ago. I was watching an old Dick Van Dyke thing. I forgot what it was even on. I think he was guest starring in some like um, 
like a laughing type show. It wasn't laughing though. It was in black and white, and he was moonwalking. I, I you know, don't call it walking backwards. Okay, I mean, they didn't call it moonwalking back then, but you know, because I made some comment that uh, you know Michael didn't originate the moonwalk. You're talking about Mary Poppins. I think he did that in Mary Poppins in the Penguin scene. He may have, but this was an old black and white uh, comedy skit. And I guess the wind was blowing, and he was trying to fight his way uh, on the street. But he did a definite what you would today call a moonwalk. And I guess when I saw Captain EO on the first day, there were a few points where people got excited. One, when Michael first showed up on the screen, and when he did his little tiny moonwalk, people, you know, all the the, the wacko jacko fanboys screamed. (laughs) At those wacko uh, jack, can you say that in the same sentence? I did. <laughs> Johnny Whitaker. That's who we were trying to think of for Tom Johnny Sawyer. Whitaker, yeah. Oh yeah. John- oh, by the way, guys, was Johnny Whitaker? Johnny Whitaker, Whitaker was in Family Affair, right? Johnny yeah. Whitaker was. That's the guy. Speaking of uh, collecting everything and anything for the past forty years or so, here you go, guys. from the movie Tom Sawyer. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I have it digitally now. I'm sure you're just analog. I've got it on a, a record, buddy. I'm playing it off of an album. Nice. <laughs> you know, I love it. Just bring the level down a little bit. It was, it was just a little distorted. A little too hot. Yes. I, love, I love it that you're tied and you can do that because I, I love, I prefer the sound of the old vinyl. There's nothing like getting a CD and you, you buy the CD because you remember the stuff from a kid and you go... It doesn't sound that great on CD. It sounded much better on vinyl. And, uh, well, the vinyl had a much warmer sound to it. Yeah. Because technology, basically, and then they try to digitize it and you lose it. They've improved on that a lot, but still, yeah, there's nothing like putting a little chip of diamond down on a piece of plastic. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, they, it, can, can you hear that in the background or is it gone? We can oh, we hear, hear it. it. Yeah, you can, you can lose it. It cuts in and out a little bit, but yeah. Well, it's <clears throat> the duplexing on Skype. I think is not full, yeah, you know. And yeah, when I'm sure you weren't hearing it in the nice lush stereo that I was. No, I'm I don't think so. Positive of that, yeah. And anyway, and thank you for sharing. Yes, I bought myself one of those little well, quite a while ago when I was still working. One of those little challenge where my stuff is in my library, so that was good. I got one of those little little Newmark USB. Uh, drives to uh, transfer some of my vinyl. It's been a little more arduous than I expected it to be, <laughs> you know. But it's fun. It's it's nice to hear the old uh, uh, LPs. I haven't, got, I haven't got rid of anything that I've collected over the years. I even still have some seventy eight RPM seventy eights that my mom had given me. One of them's a Disney. Uh, well, actually, I think both of them are Disneyland record label, or probably not Disneyland at the time because the park wasn't even around. Uh, so whatever they considered their record label back when they were doing the 78s ones, I think Small, uh, Snow White, and uh, the other ones, the hair. They used Golden Records for quite a few years back in those days. And, yeah, Buena Vista. Yeah, yeah it might be on Buena Vista, because you're right, because after Disney, I, I've got a bunch of stuff that the label is Disneyland Records, but uh-huh. the records have nothing to do with Disneyland himself. But I guess oh, they yeah. just 
chose to market it under that. Uh, or maybe they were selling them in the park, so that was the connection to the Disneyland label. Yeah, but I've got a lot of stuff on Buena Vista, uh, Disneyland, uh, all you know, a lot of the old uh, things they used to use. But um, yeah, cool stuff. I got all this, the park stuff. You know, the Jungle Cruise and you know, see, it's Tiki Room on one side, Jungle Cruise on the other. Throw Ravencroft, you know, taking you through the the rivers of adventure. I'll be your skipper and guide. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love that. You know it. Those recordings of, of the Jungle Cruise and the Pirates of the Caribbean and, oh, and all those pirates. all those ride throughs that you had on LP, um, you know they had Small World out and and uh, have that uh, great moments with Mr. Lincoln is another one that I just found. That one I don't have. That one I, I wanted. No. You can find it on eBay and oh, I'm sure you can. Get the LP and you know because I had it as a kid and I had to have it again. Should should I ask what that one set you back? Oh, I think I I think I got it for. 20 bucks or something. That's not that oh, bad. That's, that's reasonable. Because, yeah. you know, sometimes you go to, and I don't want to badmouth the NFFC Disney and Fan Club, but some of the vendors put a much higher value on things than I think reality uh, will get them. And over the course of a few conventions, sometimes I see the same vendor with the same stuff uh, because some of that stuff, you know, I know it's old, it's, but it's still not really worth $50 for a laser disc. Well, it's like an antique store, Greg, though. I mean, you can... The right person? You can search around for stuff, or you can find it at an antique store and, and, you know, pay the freight on it. It just depends on how much you want something like that. If you want to hang around on eBay and just look for things. I found, talking about, you know, Disney treasures, I found something that, that I had had when I was a kid. Got off the Jungle Cruise at about age 10, and my dad bought me a big iguana lizard that's about, you know, two feet long. And uh, so I saw this on eBay, and it's like, that's my lizard. Oh, my God, I had that when I was 10 years old. And I got it. <laughs> you haven't seen your lizard in a while. <laughs> uh, no, not, not in a while, not since I gave him a weight. But, uh, uh, oh, wait, where's that rim shot when you need it? Um, but anyway, I got my lizard, and you know it, it says uh, you know copyright 1958, and it's the right vintage, and that's the one that they sold, which is it's now the fruit stand, basically. Yeah, the I, I used to be a little souvenir dock. stand. Yeah. And yeah, uh, what was it? What was that called? It was right there on the dock. I, mean, I think it was, it was called Jungle Traders or something. I mean, Literally, when you were on the south side of it, you were you were like on the dock. It was so cool. You were like right there in in the Jungle Cruise with that little show. Yeah, that was that all those little stupid trinkets. You know, the rubber snake, the, the iguana. I mean, uh, the little bamboo things and the bamboo. Yeah, snakes. yeah, I love that stuff. And and it was such a thrill to get that again. It's like oh, there now I've got my iguana. You know, so, <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, and and. Uh, those little Disneyland souvenirs, you know, the horseshoe that says good luck, you know, and and uh, I've collected those things over the years, and, and it's like, yeah, I used to have this when I was a kid. It's a big rush. I, I guess I need to get out more. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. There was a time when I was buying a few old postcards. Uh, I won't spend a lot of money, though. I think maybe $5 was the most I'd spent, and uh, I, I bumped into a guy at D23, and he was. we were waiting for the Silver Banjo Barbecue uh, thing with the uh, the brother or the sons of, of um, Don Defoe, and uh, I heard him talking. I'm like, God, what to talk about postcards and how much? I mean, five hundred bucks or three hundred or whatever it was. And uh, 
ended up it was a guy I worked with in security years ago, and I, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I used to work at the park. Oh yeah, so did I. What years? That's the years I worked. Where'd you work? Security. So did I. You know, and you know, we both, you know, had a little more facial hair. You know, a little grayer and. Some work. more weight. Oh, yeah, I know you, you. Me, yeah, not him, but yeah, me. And uh, the Silver Banjo Barbecue postcard was pretty rare and fairly expensive. I'm like, he must be crazy. But he's he's one of these guys like Big Brian, um, who does the Walt Disney World postcards, where he'll buy every variation of the postcard because on the back they'll have these little flags and uh, that might be green and yellow and he's got it the front's the same but there's small variations of the prints on the back he's got every variation of them and this guy's a collector similar uh to big brian it was just amazing to me how much people would spend like i've been looking for one of those shuko monorails so they were made in uh in the 60s out of germany uh great quality nice stuff but you know 800 bucks maybe for a complete set maybe a thousand i don't Got that kind of money for that kind of item, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I occasionally look because I, I, you probably remember this. You get off Pirates or the Haunted Mansion, you could buy model kits of scenes from Pirates and the Haunted Mansion. Oh yeah, I still have a few pieces that I've made that are you know in a box somewhere. They're you know not in great condition, but I still have some of that here and there. But I've seen a few on eBay with the plastic still around them. And wow. people just want way too much money, um, and, you know. And it's, it's it's nostalgic, but uh, not that nostalgic. Not that much. Yeah, I I'm still looking for a Disneyland lunchbox like I had in elementary school. <laughs> yeah, remember back when you when you had the little coolers inside them, right? The little um, the little thermos, thermos, the little <laughs> thermos, and guarantee you you broke at least one or two a school semester or school year oh, because yeah. cause they were glass. Because the yeah. insides are glass. Guilty. Yeah. Yeah. Guilty. Yeah. Yeah, Guilty. Here. You can hear it too. You know, it's like, oh, oh yeah, you oh, do it. Oh, like, oh, I gotta tell my mom when I get home. That, well, that was usually because is, you're using the lunchbox as some kind of weapon, or you're messing around, you're swinging around, <laughs> you're hitting, along the cyclone fence as you're walking down. That you know? too, yeah. Well, the latches didn't exactly stay latched very well yeah. either. The thing out. is, we always broke them right at the beginning, just as you're waiting to get into your class at the beginning of the day, and it's filled with milk or whatever your juice was at the time. And it's like, how you know, nothing to drink for the day. You're going to go with water. At the end of the day, it wasn't so bad. It was just broken, and you just had a jingle jangle all the way home. <laughs> well, a lot, a lot of times that was my hot meal. My mom sent me a lot of hot meals in those thermoses, so uh. I had no meal if I broke it. Yeah, it sucked. Oh, fun stuff! Oh, <laughs> All right, boys. Do you think? Do you think we've? Uh, what memories? What memories? <laughs> yes, I think. Have we, we, have we gotten to know uh, our our newest DPM podcasters? Who are these well, guys? Yeah, I think we've got to know them pretty well, and you know, coming up West Fest, you're gonna be able to uh, know them even better. Oh wait, that's right. Their, well, their event yeah, is spin till you puke, or what is it? No, it's called. Although that's probably the uh, the operative uh, term. The working title. Yes, it's called "Spin It to Win It," and uh, I noticed that that the um, uh, ride operators, the cast members, uh, kind of encourage people to spin real fast, and they name the winner at the end. That's what gave us the idea. Oh, you know, the purple teacup is is the winner this time. I was going to say that could be very arbitrary. How are you going to actually decide it? But, I think uh, we'll probably try to get with the, the cast member to do it. 
and get the right operator in on the decision. But, um, you know, pick your team, probably two or three people in a cup. I think there's 18 cups. All I know is this is going to be definitely a spectator sport for me. Yeah. Can, we, can we do much, some side betting if we stand in that little observatory? I, and I think uh, two to one up. nothing. Yeah, we want a, we want a piece of that side bet. I'll uh, take three to one on the blink one. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I, and uh, so we will have motion sickness uh, bags uh, provided, and and of course this event is uh, is sponsored by uh, Drama Queen. <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. In fact, I've got to call. Wait, is that is that the other Disney Lindsay Lohan? No, it's, the it's an actual anti-emetic medication, and uh, and you know they're a proud sponsor of the Park Hop and Party. Um, yeah, so we've got to call Disney Delivers and get us a couple of those Mad Hatter hats. I think that yes. would that would be uh, incredible to uh, to dress the part. That's awesome. We're hosting teacups. So yeah, our event is uh, Sunday at 5 p.m. at DPN Westfest, and uh, we are so looking forward to it. Maybe you should uh, give a heads up to custodial also, just so. <laughs> yeah. Last, That's a very, very good idea. Last year, uh, uh, we uh, met up with Greg right after the teacup ride, and I said, anybody, uh, you know, puke it? He goes, no, it's a shame. <laughs> you're, always, you're always waiting for the magic fairy. Is that what they call it, Richard? Magic the, fairy dust, yeah. The magic fairy yeah. dust that come out and, uh, and make it all go away. You know, there's Michael a picture. Song, the Technicolor Yawn. <laughs> spill your spill your oats. Yeah, there's there's a great picture of uh, of Josh Banker, you know, going ah from last year, that that's on, uh, you know, Flickr or something, and and wow, that that really says it all. There's also- we're looking forward we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun, and as all the events are going to be, um, you know, I think people have put a lot of imagination into their events this year and it's going to be a blast to go to both parks and okay. I guess Saturday is pretty much DCA day as I understand it right yes mm-hmm. you're kind of switching it up this year a little bit yes and uh, I hope that people get a chance to stick around until the last dog is hung so to speak and and uh, Greg you've hey, got who's great- dogs <laughs> <laughs> Greg your your event is the last one on set on Sunday correct yeah, the goal is to try to be on the last uh, boat down the rivers of adventure, or boats, depending on uh, how many people we have to get in those Duffy or yeah, Duffy boats. Um, that that would be the goal. Last year, we 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 probably prematurely got in line, uh, but yeah, we'll try to hang out uh, to the very end. Now, um, as, when I went to the Friends of the Magic last year, they had a event over at um, the mansion. It was the last group in the mansion we all held back we talked to the or say the group leader of that event talked to the cast member they encouraged and let people lay down in the stretching room oh cool uh, <laughs> now i didn't do it but i kind of got down and that's a you know it's a weird perspective that you usually don't get to experience so uh, now we tried to go the uh, uh skipper last year on, on the lake cruise to give us you know the late night one, but that was not too long after there'd been a big crackdown on the spiels there. And we didn't quite get a, uh, a full DPN, uh, boat because some people mixed in with us. That's why we, we didn't wait long. There was one full DPN boat, one kind of three quarters full DPN boat. And I, and I'm, I'm the type that I don't believe 
in having too good of a time. Um, he had a very, very good time. Yeah, you, you don't want to repeat another guest experience. I respect that. Exactly. So if it's all VPN, I'm more than happy to go the guy a little bit and have some fun. But if there's somebody that's not part of us, uh, we should enjoy it just like sure. they are and, I and respect their privacy. Yeah, and or not their privacy, but their, their moment on, on the boat. That's or really experience. Yeah, that's the thing that all podcasters uh, for Disney should, should live by. Really keep the... Uh, you know, the experience pure for those people that aren't part of the group. And, and that's what and, we do. We do so much of our shenanigans on green screen because, you know, Richard and his cohorts would haul us off. Yeah. We <laughs> some of the things in the park that, yeah. that and we do. And trying to get to the turnstile. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you try not to ruin their experience and then give them one of your cards. Yeah, yeah. So we... <laughs> You know, we're always cognizant of that, and, and Greg, God bless you for doing that too. It's kind of like the prime directive, you know, on Star Trek. Um, it should be. It should. It should it, almost it should be in the DP and bylaws. You know, if you're going to be here, don't fuck with other you know guests when they're in. The yeah, park. if you have a tripod, yeah, keep it out of pockets, and just just common sense things that uh, you know that are always good, and you know our people seem to do that real well. Yeah, for the but, most part, you know, I've listened to a couple that occasionally they you know. They go a little overboard with people close by because they'll even mention, "Wow, those people are looking at me." Well, you're acting like an ass. <laughs> you know, quite, quite frankly, well, you know. And this show coming after the last couple shows where we were ragging on the uh, people that are on their cell phones and having loud conversations in the middle of the pirates and whatnot. So oh, yeah, it's so annoying. That's, that's let one. Let us not be our own worst enemy. Exactly. You know, if we if we get a whole pirate boat to ourselves, that's fine. But make sure that you know if the, a bunch of boats are stacked up, you're not ruining the guy behind you, so he can't hear, uh, you know, the famous lines of the jungle. What was that? Well, I don't know. What was that? That's the guy in the boat behind him. Yeah. Yes. Great. I think it's that wonderful uh, network that Greg has there. Oh, he's I think, back. I think he's getting a phone. He's talking to somebody else. All right, anyway, so I, I was going to start steering it toward the wrap-up, you know. Any last oh, words? Do. Any? We already have uh, Steve has plugged his Steve Michaels vault of vinyl.com. Vault? Yeah, and I guess uh, if people are not familiar with our program and would like to check it out, um, our website is parkhoppinparty.com. Uh, H-O-P-P-I-N. We put the G on there as another uh, URL, so if you do park hopping party, you'll still get there. Um, And uh, visit the website, go to the podcast page, and you can subscribe right there. And uh, a lot of exciting things, you know, coming up. We have uh, Ron Diaz, the Disney artist and illustrator, Westfest 09, and kind of a preview of what's coming up at Westfest 010. And, uh, of course, Mr. Lincoln is up right now. And lots of things to enjoy, and we welcome your comments. If you want to leave a review on iTunes, uh, that's always appreciated, and and uh, we thank you for watching. And of course, now being a member of the DPN, you can well, no! there. Link, <laughs> your link right over there. Go which is, which is absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much. We are honored to be a part of the DPN. Ah, well, we're, look we're happy to have you. Our next episode in the next week or so. Well, it'll probably be on by about this time. By the time, time yes, by the time they hear this, yeah, I'm I'm in the recording studio right. What's that? 
Say Halloween that. time. DLR is what it's called. Yeah, that's right. I'm in the recording studio right now, scoring the uh, orchestral cues for the uh, well, intro. We're not at the recording studio right now. Well, <laughs> how do you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's shaping up, and we'll we'll get that shipped out real soon, and and uh, something to look forward to. Yeah, our uh, our PHP. We forgot to mention Kestra, and oh, we no, wanted. I uh, we want to we want to say hi to Kestra because she was a big help. She was kind of like our uh, unofficial production assistant and really helped out. So um, yeah, definitely we love hooking up with people when we're at the parks and and uh, you know we'll put out some stuff on Facebook or or Twitter or whatever. And and uh, Greg has uh, joined us at the park and uh, John Dub and and Phil Staten whenever we uh, we go down to hang out. So we oh, love. Catching up with people. It's a lot of fun. So we'll do more of that this year. All right, yes. good. All right, so um, in our usual bumbling way, uh, <laughs> kind of, we'll kind of wrap it up here. And, you know, uh, Is there to, a back door out of here? Yeah. We'll have to say goodnight so, for Greg because uh, his. Well, why don't you hear bumbling way make one more pitch? Because we still got another couple of weeks for, for Westfest. Well, uh, what's going to be happening? Up actually, there? by the time that this show goes. Uh, the um, the uh, banquet will uh, registration will be closed. So uh, I'm getting texts from Greg. So oh, I can't. Um, all right. So yeah. Anyway, by the time the show posts, which will probably be mm, ten days from now, um, we'll be into the the late registration phase of the banquet. Which means but you can still register. What's yeah. another six dollars for yes. a great meal Cor- and a lot of fun? Correct. The price will have gone up, yeah. but you know. So yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, I'm on and off, and you don't have to be a DPN member to join. Correct. Correct. To go, you, to, you do not. Yeah. That's right. We tell we tell lots of Disney fans you should go down to Westfest and hang with this bunch because it's a great four days. Yeah, we have a yeah, lot of fun. If you're in Disney, this is the great group to hang with. Absolutely. And, um, Especially if you're out here on the West Coast. That's, well, oh, come on down. Um, oh, yeah, Mice Cast, we, uh, I have ordered the contest materials. The contest materials for the Mice Cast contest are on the way. Um, I'm just, I don't know if I should actually say what the, the contest will be or even no, what the no, prize will be. There will be prizes, they'll be worth something. There'll be something, at least one good thing. But yes, we have a contest. It's been settled and fixed and put together, and the materials are on their way. Yes. Um, and yeah, I want to take a, you know, before we sign off, take one, you know, one last time to say welcome to you, Steve and Mike. The Thank you. Park oh, Hoppin' so Party. It's it, it, right to be here. And, and uh, you know, we look forward to your. Uh, Park hopping party. Yes. Make sure you get that. <laughs> oh no, I said it fast earlier, and, and I left out the R. <laughs> Park hopping party. Yes. Pod potty. Potty. Yeah. Potty. Uh, <laughs> Otherwise, we've, we've if you, been if called leave, worse. If you if you leave the R out, you get pack hopping potty. No, not that R. The R. The R and party. Like you know, like I'm from <laughs> Boston. All the arms out. In, uh, in my living room, I've got the Hollywood uh, sign. And uh, Steve changes the the letters to lowlyhood. So, <laughs> That's speaking of what awesome. Used to when they were when they were uh, putting up their Save the Hill campaign, and they only had it 
uh, what was it? oh no, save the peak is what they were going for it, and they only had partial letters up, so they had the last three of wood O O D up there, but the rest of it, so it was save the pood. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Thank you. Good. We look forward to your contribution to the com- you know the community here, and uh, and uh, we're gonna have a good time. Uh, thanks so much, Mike. Yeah, I'll sweat. So, with that, I'm gonna say good night. And I'll say good night. I'll say good night for Greg. And, oh, uh, yeah, and, uh, and good night there uh, from all you folks out there uh, listening to the show. You know, uh, okie doke. Oh yeah, it was a real pleasure, and uh, we hope to have you to our house real soon. Oh, you're darn tootin' there. Okay, thank you. Let's go have a uh, far cop and party. What do you oh, say? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I got my loose ends on and uh, a can of bus dog. I'm ready to rock and roll, you know. A can? I got a whole six-pack of nog. Let's go. <laughs>